So you've decided to give up that old behavior that's been killing you and all you care for and surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's the first step. Surrender is what opens the prison door. Now it's time to walk through that door and into a whole new way of life. Spirituality, self-care, service, social connection, and the simple daily disciplines that pave the way to lasting freedom. This is Positive Sobriety. Welcome to another episode of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Uh, Hey, I'm your pal, Nate Larkin, here with my pal and yours, David Hampton. It is a new year. We're recording this episode to start 2023. Uh, That artificial time to do a reset. I've I've made not resolutions, but I've done some tinkering, some reevaluation, taking a look at things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Have you, David? I have. I have. Um, I, I'm not a big resolution person, but I am making some commitments to myself and mm-hmm. I'm looking at it more, <laughs> you know, yeah. as a, as a, as a promise to myself to uh, take uh, some things a lot more seriously in, mm. in areas. So, yeah. Well, I'll tell you one thing that has really stimulated my thinking in the last couple of weeks is a book that uh, I came across on Audible. I don't have a lot of time to sit and read these days. I'm so yeah. busy. But but while I'm driving, traveling, whatever, I can listen. So I do a lot of uh, audiobooks now. Mm-hmm. And I came across uh, a, a, a new habit book. Now, we've talked in the past about bestseller Atomic Habits, which has been a top bestseller list now for almost three years. Yeah. Uh, this is a new one by a Japanese author. His uh-huh. name doesn't immediately come to mind, but... Uh, he had a bestseller a few years ago called Goodbye Things. It's about simplifying your life, a minimalist lifestyle. Oh, uh, yeah. His new book is called Hello Habits. Mm. Uh, and it's part memoir. He's very, very vulnerable. Tells about how he came to the point of reevaluating his habits. Uh, he does a good job of explaining the role of habits and habit formation. He does a nice scientific physiological, medical explanation. But mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite parts of the book is a is a very long chapter. It takes three and a half hours to oh listen gosh. to yeah. uh, uh, with 50 practical suggestions <clears throat> okay. for habit formation or habit cessation. Uh, very, very helpful. So uh, put that together. A couple days ago, I was in the car listening to the BBC uh, and they run all kinds of science program. So I'm listening to a science program. Mm-hmm. That's a, you know, we're going to answer questions from listeners. And the question is, uh, how do, how do you, how is it that you balance on a bike? Why don't you fall over on a bike? Huh? A bicycle, right? Yeah. It's, uh, and you know, they start by saying, you know, you probably have an answer to that question. Somebody's told you it's about momentum. It's uh, really the experts don't have a final explanation. It's mm-hmm. not as simple as it appears. So they do 
during the course of this 30-minute episode, they described the bicycle itself and its mechanical properties and how, you know, all that role it plays. Mm-hmm. But then they turn to the human element, the rider, and they talk about uh, why it uh, takes some time to learn to ride a bike mm. and why once you have learned, you remember it for life. Okay. Okay. So uh, for us, it's learning how to balance on a bike. That, in order to do that, we imp- employ a sense. Now we, uh, we've been we've known since ancient times about the five senses. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, sight, touch, smell, yeah. sa- you know, hearing, right, taste. There is another sense, and it's called the vestibular sense. And huh. it's the sense that we have. It's the sense of where we are in space at any given time. Okay. Uh, and connected with that is our ability to balance, right? Mm, so yeah. uh, the sensory organs for balance are located in the inner ear. Most people know that. Mm. Uh, you know, three semicircular canals filled with fluid, a very viscous fluid. And uh, attached to them or connected to them are these very fine hair-like cells sent, uh, and neurons that are wired directly to the cerebellum, that deep part of the brain that sits right above the spinal cord. Mm. And the connection is very tight and uh, communication is instantaneous. It's much quicker than the communication that the cerebral cortex, the thinking cognitive part of the brain has. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So that reaction uh, is lightning fast so that we act, you know, when you touch a hot stove, you pull away quickly, even before you're cognitively aware that it's hot, mm, right? Before yeah. you make the decision. It's not a decision. It's an instinctive response. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now, that system, yes, it is sensory, but it's more than that. It's also a predictive system. That system is constantly uh, running calculations to predict what is likely to happen next in the next millisecond so that it can be prepared to react and prevent you from falling over. Okay. 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 All right. But in order to run that calculation, it has to have data. It has to have some experience, some past experience to extrapolate from. So it has memory. Mm -hmm. uh, And, um, that's why it takes time to learn to walk and why you have to fall over a lot as an infant mm-hmm. uh, because now you're, you're, you're building this fund of data, this knowledge that that system can say, all right, um, in order to prevent me from falling in that way, I'm going to have to do this, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It takes data. All right. So that's why. Uh, and, and and this is uh, so the brain has to learn. Mm-hmm. Now I wasn't aware of this. You know, when I entered recovery, I wanted to learn a new way of life. I wanted to learn, uh, you know, how to live. Right. Now there, but we have two learning systems that are independent. They can be supportive of each other, but they can also interfere with each other. Mm-hmm. So there is a system for explicit learning. And that's that's cognitive learning, and that's learning about things that can be described in reduced to words. Mm. And then there is implicit learning. 
mm. which is quicker, which is really non-cognitive and can't be put into words. Right. Right? Yeah. Now, in learning to balance, that really, that's implicit learning. Mm-hmm. Which is why you can sit in all the lectures in the world about how to ride a bike. <laughs> and they're not going to help you until you, now they can help you to understand what's going on. It can accelerate the learning process, perhaps. You get right. some coaching on how to do it. But you're still going to tip yeah. over. Right. Yeah. You're still going to tip over. You're still going to fall. You're still going to skin your knees a while mm-hmm. while your brain is building the necessary data bank mm-hmm. so that it can accurately predict and compensate to keep you upright. Mm-hmm. Got it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and <laughs> that cognitive, uh, you know, that explicit learning can actually interfere with implicit learning if it gets all up into its business and tries to do too much thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Overthinking. (laughs) Absolutely. Overthinking is a real thing. Right. Yeah. Which is really what my first sponsor was telling me when he said, Nate, you've been trying to think your way to write acting and I'm going to show you how to act your way to write. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this also explains why relapse is normal in recovery. Mm -hmm. Now, some people learn quicker than others. Some people can learn in a couple of hours how to ride a bike. Yeah. Every now and again, somebody gets on a bike and there's somehow things are framed in such a way that, uh, you know, they wobble a little bit, but they don't fall off. My, you know, my, my wife swears that that's how, she, you know, she got on a bike and you know, it was a little bit shaky, but she essentially rode off. I've mm-hmm. heard stories like that. Mm-hmm. That wasn't my story. No. I needed training <laughs> wheels for quite a while. And I had some disasters before, yeah. before I, before that fund of accumulated knowledge was adequate, mm-hmm. and my implicit ling, uh, learning system was well enough engaged mm-hmm. that that I wasn't falling over anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do think that you know recovery involves certainly it involves healing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're recovering from trauma and we developed these maladaptive coping mechanisms and strategies uh, in response to trauma mm-hmm. and trauma will continue to trigger us until it's it's been healed. So mm-hmm. so so healing is a big part of uh, the process. Mm-hmm. But even after that trauma has been healed, those old habits are still in place. Right. And they are very deeply rooted. Those we uh, a habit is something that you do without thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like driving a car, brushing your teeth—the thing that you've done long enough that you do it automatic. Mm-hmm. A habit is something that you have driven to the store so often that you find yourself at the store even when you intended to go to the post office. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So uh, another element to recovery is. Um, habit reformation mm-hmm. or substitute. We have to build, we have to displace old rituals with new rituals. Right. And that involves some implicit learning. Yeah. Does it not? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's. I mean, that is so that is so cool that you're uh, discovering this this book that articulates it so well. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think I think one of the baffling things in recovery and recovery work is that. Uh, you know, most of us have gone to meetings and sat through meetings and sat through Mm -hmm. IOPs and sat through, you know, information, 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 information. Right. And, um, and yet we're confounded about why we're still, uh, perpetually pulled into behaviors, Mm -hmm. you know, that still exist and, and, and our families and loved ones are, are, are confounded, you know, because, uh, you know better, you know, is yeah. kind of the, the argument. And uh, this makes a lot of sense to people, uh, to all of us, but to people mm-hmm. especially, you know, that have, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's like going to church. It doesn't change mm-hmm. anybody, right. you know, yeah. until yeah. you get on the bike, <laughs> yeah. right. you know. Exactly. exactly. Uh, yeah, that's that's amazing. And there's a, uh, and in recovery, you know, I was I was surprised when, you know, my first sponsor, you know, I just wanted to, to stop going to prostitutes and looking at porn. Uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to be, you know, sexually responsible. I didn't want to do these crazy behaviors anymore. Mm-hmm. And he was asking me about, he wanted me to go to the gym and he's asking me about what I'm eating. And I'm thinking, none of that has any bearing on, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, but he was a, he was a wise man. And of course, his wisdom came from his own implicit learning, his own failures. He was trying right. to save me some steps, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, hey, well, we have a guest today who's going to help us in one area of habit formation where we have been living unconsciously for a long time mm-hmm. and and acting compulsively in such a way that now we're acting without thinking. And even when we know better, we find ourselves, uh, you know, causing damage to ourselves. It's going to be a great conversation. Listeners, I can promise you are going to love this one when we return on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. David, uh, in recovery, we're talking about building a whole new way of life. This is a lot about healing, but it's also about habit formation. It's about changing the way we understand ourselves, the way we see the world, the way we approach our lives, deconstructing old rituals, building new and healthier ones. Right. And uh, you've managed to find for us today a guest who can speak to that whole broad spectrum of behavior. You want to go ahead and introduce our guest? Yeah, this is Lori Zabka. And Lori is uh, coming to us from the greater Nashville area where uh, we are. And Lori is a functional nutrition counselor and a holistic health practitioner. And um, Lori, uh, I first kind of really got to know Lori through a podcast that she and a counselor a uh, friend of hers uh, have that uh, that they were doing, and I was a guest, and they were gracious enough to uh, let me share my story. But one of the things that interested me with talking with Lori as we kind of unfolded the possibility of of her joining us was uh, my own personal uh, relationship with food and the relationship mm-hmm. I see my recovering clients uh, having with mm-hmm. food. 
because as you all know, that once we give up one coping mechanism, sometimes we don't perfectly step out of one canoe into another. We kind of adopt a new uh, coping mechanisms. And uh, I have no idea what you're talking <laughs> yeah, about. Baby. Yeah, I, I, uh, I kept bluebell ice cream in business after I got sober <laughs> for about a year. <laughs> you know, it was after I quit drinking that uh, bluebell, when I finally gave that up, they had to lay people off. But, uh, <laughs> but Lori, welcome to the show. And uh, I am looking forward forward to just talking to you about the way that, um, you know, our relationship to our health uh, with not just food, but but our, our general holistic health um, can really uh, benefit or maybe sabotage uh, our recovery. So welcome. Yeah. Welcome to being here. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me. And I really want to say I admire what you guys are doing here. And Hopefully I can can speak into the health nutrition aspect and really contribute to people's healing. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Well, we like our listeners to get to know our guests on a personal level. Uh, we always know that there is a story. There is a long and winding road that gets us from where we were as children when adults were saying, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? To uh, where we ultimately wound up. For me, you know, I, I'm not where I thought I would. I'm in a much better place than I imagined. This is better than I would have planned, but I never would have planned it. Would you have planned to be where you are? Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how that works? Um, I I was telling you guys a second ago that I've lived in Nashville, the Nashville area, for a very long time. I moved here in 1991. Wow. And to Belmont College. It wasn't Belmont University yet. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, when you were five years old, I guess. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was, yeah, I was fresh out of high school and ready to take on the music world. And mm -hmm. I went there for music. I was a vocal performance major. Oh, wow. Um, oh. Yeah. And so I did that for a while and I, I had a career in music. Um, but what launched me into health and wellness was my own story and David, I can relate with keeping Bluebell in business. <laughs> I single-handedly kept Krispy Kreme. Oh, there you go. Like I, <laughs> one, I was in line and I could eat a dozen uh -huh. Krispy Kreme donuts by myself. Sure. I, the it, store on Thompson Lane. Did you make the pilgrimage over to Thompson oh, Lane? Yeah. Is that, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because okay. Okay. Gotcha. There in that area, um, uh -huh. Elliston, all of them, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I grew up my coping mechanism for things that were happening in my childhood was food and specifically mm -hmm. sugar mm -hmm. because it just, it gave me that quick hit, that quick high, that quick relief. And I thought, this is amazing. This is just in the pantry. I can go get this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I did. And and the thing was, you know, growing up in the 70s and 80s, if if you looked healthy, if if you were lean or trim, people assumed that you were healthy. Mm, Nobody yeah. questioned what was going on on the inside. And I did. I was very active, mm -hmm. <laughs> probably fueled by sugar. Um, but I was active, so I was a, a fit, trim little kid, 
who was developing type two diabetes. And by the time I was in my early twenties, um, I had an awakening and I was borderline type two diabetic. I didn't know that at all. I just felt my body breaking down and Mm -hmm. I knew I was sick and it scared me because the symptoms I was experiencing, I thought something's really wrong here. And I went to all kinds of, of conventional, traditional doctors, ran tests. Basically the message was you're fine. You know, Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with you, nothing wrong. And I found a functional medicine doctor through a friend of a friend of a friend. And he ran some very extensive, that's my dog behind me. um, (laughs) And, and the first thing that he said to me on the phone, when he got the results back, he said, Lori, you are a very unhealthy girl. Mm-hmm. I was shocked because here I, I ran all the time. I did Tybo. <laughs> like was, what are you talking? I am not unhealthy. And, um, and he's continued to tell me about my blood sugar, mm-hmm. um, and what it was doing to every other system in my body and how it, if I didn't stop and change my diet immediately and drastically, um, here's the laundry list of things you can expect to develop pretty soon here in your young life. Wow. So scared me. Um, I lived, do y'all remember the produce place off of Murphy road in a silver? Yeah. Yeah. So this was before we had any kind of, first we had wild oats, but then we wild oats. Yeah. Over there. Yeah. I'm Belmont. Right. Yeah. So this was pre that this was the only place I could find that had, um, organic food, clean food. They sort of, they were kind of like hippies over there in their mm-hmm. market. And I loved it. And I lived right across the street. So I went over there with my list that my functional medicine doctor told me I could have this and this. And I was like, please help me. <laughs> what organic means. I know it's more expensive, but what is that? Uh-huh. And I dove in, but I embraced it. And I would say within six months, I looked and felt like a completely different person. I was young, so my body was more quick at healing. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that's that's the nuts and bolts of my story. And I've been sort of um, a rabid fan of health and wellness ever since. And I like to help people um, as much as I can. So that's my passion. Yeah. Right. So did your helping begin informally? Uh, you know, your casual conversation with friends and then people say, oh, you're looking good. You say, yeah, I'm feeling good. You're dispensing advice and encouragement. Totally. Is that yeah. how it began? Before right. I ever any certification or anything. Um, yeah, I would help friends. They would, a lot of people had some of the same symptoms. Blood sugar mm-hmm. is a big deal and it's very common to have such di- dysregulation with our standard American diet. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. a lot of people come to me with the same symptoms um, feeling like they were 80 years old when they were, we were all in our early twenties then. And mm-hmm. I would say, I bet I know what's going on here. Try this, try this, mm-hmm. try. And yeah, that's, that's how it started. And to see change happen in people, I just became addicted to, to that high really of helping people and seeing transformation and knowing that I could use what I went through to help others. Mm-hmm. Lori, who would be, um, like, I know it's hard to say a typical quote unquote, uh, client, but who, who do you typically see, uh, 
kind of having the aha moments that you had and that those of us mm-hmm. in recovery have for different mm-hmm. reasons. Uh, who Who is it that's typically finding you and coming in and asking the questions? Well, I've kind of, over, over the years, I, I have niched um, my market, I would, I would say. Um, and the people that I'm really called to and drawn to are women in midlife. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. And that's where I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I say midlife is kind of the time when the choices that we have been making for past decades catch up with us mm-hmm. for better or for worse. And this is when the body says, okay, we're maybe going to have to make some changes here, do things different. Because mm-hmm. in midlife, women experience a laundry list of unpleasant symptoms. We can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, this is the time to sort of say, okay, we need to back things up here and, and start looking at, at the foundations of your health and wellness. Uh Um, are they even there? Like what, Mm -hmm. what are you building your house on? And we probably need to go down and do some repair work so that your foundations are strong. And then you stop manifesting all of these yucky symptoms. So, um, a lot of women are coming to me with, you know, weight loss resistance, Mm-hmm. Um, chronic pain, um, every every condition with itis on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is inflammation, um, pain, all of that stuff. So this is when the body has sort of stopped compensating. It's like enough is enough. Mm-hmm. We have to make some changes here, and it seems very overwhelming. But it's really kind of simple, not easy, but simple because it is just about getting back down to foundations, things like the digestive system, the liver, which I know we'll probably talk about, Mm -hmm. um, reducing chronic inflammation. There's a huge list of ways that we do that. And it's not just physical, it's not just diet, it's it's mental, it's emotional, it's reducing, learning tools to reduce the stress in our Mm -hmm. lives that's triggering cortisol, that's messing with our adrenals and our blood sugar. It's just, Mm -hmm. everything is related. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in isolation. Mm-hmm. And that's so cool about the body. Um, we, we can't like play target practice with, with symptoms and say, I don't like that one. Let me get rid of that. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Everything relate. Each body system is intricately related to the next. Mm-hmm. And so again, it all goes back down to some solid foundations. And that's really the work that, that I love doing and digging into. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how much correlation, uh, Lori, um, do you find between food and the, you know, the way we eat, the foods we eat and um, things like anxiety disorder and things that, you know, make people drink and end up in my office or use and, you know, end up in wherever? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I have a, a lot of clients, you know, we say that, you know, trauma, shame, anxiety, and isolation are kind of the four legs of the addiction stool. And yet, you know, I've got folks coming in and they're trying really hard not to drink and uh, they're doing all the quote, you know, 12 step ish things or the right recovery things. But yet, you know, I know that they're on a sugar seesaw and I know that they're on all kinds of other seesaws. And, yes. um, you know, how much of our diet is contributing to something that we think is just uh, psycho emotional? It's huge. 
And this is what I didn't know. Um, when I was addicted to sugar, um, I would feel anxious. Uh -huh. um, I would feel like, oh gosh, I, I need some help here. I didn't have any tools to self-soothe or self-regulate my emotions. I knew that sugar would give me that quick hit, that that feel good, temporary feel good. So it it's it drives further dysfunction because you reach for the sugar, you reach for the alcohol or whatever. Um, it creates a, a quick high, a mm -hmm. quick release of endorphins and all the feel goods. But then with alcohol, with sugar, with anything, blood sugar crashes. So mm -hmm. you get this high of endorphins, you get a high of blood sugar, it crashes. Mm -hmm. Inevitably, you're like, oh, that doesn't feel good. I know what's going to fix it. So you're just <laughs> up and down, up and down, up and down. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there's a, there's parts of our brain that probably know that that's, that that's driving that behavior. And we need to step off of that hamster wheel, but it feels so good in the moment. It's, it's just hard to, to break that, but knowing that you're perpetuating the up and down the, um, mm -hmm. the that hamster wheel, knowing that, is powerful. And what, what I wish I would have known, um, was ways to fuel my body during mealtime to help balance my blood sugar, not just in that moment of eating the meal, but creating a meal that would create balanced blood sugar for hours afterwards mm -hmm. so that I wasn't having those highs and lows. Um, you can even quell an anxiety attack with by balancing blood sugar through nutrition. They really go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So I tell my, my clients, there's four components to have on a plate at mealtime. Um, and the basic components are greens. Um, mm -hmm. We want greens in every meal. And when I say green, I do literally mean green. That mm -hmm. color represents so many good nutrients, micronutrients, but also all the other colors. Eat mm -hmm. the rainbow. Mm -hmm. um, just get those vegetables on your plate without fail every meal. They're so healing and nourishing. Um, greens, healthy fat. This is one that still a lot of my clients, women in midlife, they still shy away from. Um, we need healthy fats. Um, we need that for hormone regulation. We need that for blood sugar control. We need it to reduce inflammation and we need it to stay full. Nice. So healthy fats, lots of fiber to help move things along and also to contribute to that fullness and that steady blood sugar curve, mm -hmm. um, greens, fat, fiber, and protein. Mm -hmm. Protein is really big. Protein is the macronutrient of satiety. This is the one that keeps you full for hours. And it also builds and repairs the cells, the tissues in the body, um, which are under a lot of stress and damage when you're recovering from any kind of addiction. So four components, greens, fat, fiber, protein, um, can really go a long way towards keeping that blood sugar steady. Yeah. Wow. Every person engaged in the fight against alcohol addiction has their own reason for being involved. Maybe it's a husband or wife, a daughter or son, a mom or a dad a best friend, a colleague, a job, a hobby, or just yourself. Whatever your reason for recovery, we're all in this together. 
On the Positive Sobriety Podcast, we understand that the opposite of addiction is connection. And our mission includes building a strong community and working together to break the stigma of alcohol addiction. That's why we've partnered with Soberlink to expand and strengthen our community even further. Soberlink is a remote alcohol monitoring technology created to help provide accountability for people in recovery. The system includes a high-tech breathalyzer device with facial recognition that allows you to share your sobriety in real time with loved ones who can offer support in the event of a slip or a relapse. Soberlink has helped hundreds of thousands of people document proof of sobriety in real time to help rebuild trust and foster peace of mind. Soberlink is currently building a strong community of people in recovery. Get inspired and inspire others today by joining the community at soberlink.com PSP. That PSP, of course, stands for Positive Sobriety Podcast. The link again is soberlink.com PSP. Uh, you referenced earlier the liver. This amazing organ in the body. This it is. self-healing organ yeah. that nonetheless really takes a beating when we are yeah. living and eating and drinking foolishly. Yep. Uh, uh, what, are the, what, what are the signs that the liver's in trouble and what are the best things we can do to help it recover and heal? Oh, that's such a great question. So often, whenever you're having any kind of distress in the body, it's, it can be dialed down to the liver or dialed back mm-hmm. to the liver. Mm-hmm. Um, this is our most important organ of detoxification. Every single thing that we breathe, that touches our skin, that we eat, everything that comes in contact with or into our bodies has to be filtered through the liver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm thing is a workhorse. But like you said, it takes a beating um, when we're not supporting it and being kind to it. So um, there's so many things that you can do to support the liver. I first want to say, and for a lot of my clients too, it's tempting, especially at the start of a new year to think, oh, I'm not feeling so good. Um, I want to lose some weight or whatever it is. I'm going to go on a liver cleanse. Mm-hmm. Maybe they they Google one or <laughs> Google. No. <laughs> I can go for it. I'm going to clean that thing out. That could be one of the most dangerous things that you do mm. because if the liver is already backed up, full mm-hmm. of toxins, not in a healthy condition, mm-hmm. and you are forcefully trying to push things out of the liver into the bloodstream, which is also toxic, Uh um, Mm -hmm. that can't really handle that load, your entire body, I mean, you you could actually die from Mm. a liver cleanse. Um, Your body becomes a toxic soup. Yeah. Um, So I always say, go slow, start low and go slow. Uh Mm -hmm. Um, So first of all, hydration. Hydration, hydration, and specifically balancing electrolytes. I have a lot of my clients drinking coconut water. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't want like sugary electrolyte 
drinks or anything, but just coconut water is probably the best um, hydrator and and balancer that that we could drink. And it's cheap. You can get it anywhere. Uh Um, So lots of hydration. Um, First, removing the inflammatory foods. Instead of thinking, oh, I'm going to go out and, and do this thing, let's first just remove uh, stop pouring gas on the fire. Um, if you know that you have any food sensitivities or allergies, remove those, mm-hmm. um, remove, you know, sugar as much as you can processed packaged foods, um, things that we know generally aren't healthy mm-hmm. and then flood the body with nutrients. Um, but this is tricky because, a body that has been suffering with addiction, the digestive system has been damaged as well. Mm-hmm. So what you eat and even the supplements that you take may not um, benefit you the way they could because of the damage to the digestive system. So before I even start thinking about the liver, I want to help people shore up their digestive system. And Mm -hmm. we're never taught (laughs) about digestion. We think we eat food, we swallow it, it does its thing. Uh And then Mm -hmm. we poop it out, right? Like that's that's the route. Mm -hmm. Um, Specifically with, with addiction of any kind, one of the things that suffers is stomach acid. Mm -hmm. We need a highly acidic stomach. So, you know, even a lot of, a lot of my clients come to me and they're on um, acid blockers because they've got reflux. Mm-hmm. Well, reflux doesn't mean that you have too much stomach acid. It could actually mean you have too little. And there's that little flap, um, the LES, lower esophageal sphincter from the bottom of the esophagus that connects to the stomach. When you have reflux, that thing stays open and the contents mm-hmm. of your stomach go back up uh-huh. your esophagus into your mouth. Um, but that's also due to poor diet and stress. It's not due to insufficient stomach acid. So I have my clients first, let's, let's look at your digestive system. Let's start building some stomach acid by maybe taking, um, apple cider vinegar in water, like a, like a little mm-hmm. supplement, um, take that before meals that can start to acidify the stomach because that stomach needs to be very acidic to break down specifically proteins, but to break down the food that you eat so that it can then continue down the whole digestive tract and eventually seep through the small intestine is what it's supposed to do like a sponge and all those nutrients hit the liver Uh and then into the bloodstream, into your cells and, and nourish you. Um, so going back when I said, um, addressing the liver, you know, uh, flood the body with nutrients. That's why I went off on that tangent because a body that um, doesn't have a robust digestive system mm-hmm. can't assimilate the nutrients from the foods that you're eating. So mm-hmm. as unflashy as it sounds, I start with digestion. Be calm when you're eating. Mm-hmm. Don't eat in a stressful state. Um, digestion happens in your parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest and digest. That's the name mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. parasympathetic. So we have to be calm in order for our body to be able to process the foods that we're eating. I have people do the four count breath at the start of a meal, eight Mm -hmm. cycles of the four count breath 
to pull you into that calm parasympathetic state. Mm. Chew your food like a cow in a field. (laughs) (laughs) 30 times per bite and Mm. make that food small so enzymes can attack it. Then you swallow it and hopefully your stomach is acidic. If it's not, you can take supplements. You could do the apple cider vinegar. Um, you can even take hydrochloric acid pills to acidify that stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say anybody who suffered from addiction, no doubt they have insufficient stomach acid. Mm. Um, alcohol kills it. That's mm-hmm. what it does. Mm-hmm. And it destroys the lining of the stomach. So um, paying attention to that so that the food you eat, the supplements you take can be broken down, assimilated into your body and get where they need to go. Um, do you want to go back to the liver? Yeah, I do. Because it's interesting to me, Lori, because I've got clients right now. Uh, I have, um, two guys that are in their mid sixties. Uh, uh, one's been sober a year. One's still struggling. Uh, both have liver damage. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have a 23 year old male who has liver damage. And he was astonished to find out, you know, when he goes to the doctor that his liver numbers are to the point that they're doing, you know, a sonogram on his liver and finding Mm -hmm. a fatty liver. And he's like, Mm -hmm. how can that be? I'm only 23, you know. Um, And uh, and the interesting thing is about the older gentleman is that uh, the way that it manifested itself was with cognition. And... um, Mm -hmm. You know, the the uh, the idea that because of their age and stage in life, the initial fear is, oh, my God, I'm getting early dementia, you know, um, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, and so anyway, come to find out through all the you know medical uh, process, uh, the liver is causing cognition issues that resemble dementia, mobility. You know, these are guys that touch the wall when they walk down the hall and and seem to uh, their gait seems to be older than their years. Yes. Um, you know, and then at the same time, you know, a 23 year old guy who thinks I can't have liver damage. I'm 23, you know, mm. um, and he's having it uh, with weight gain. And, yeah. um, you know, un, uh, he, I, he's, he's saying, you know, I don't eat healthy, but I don't uh, eat like a ton of food a day and I'm pretty active, but I can't lose weight and I'm gaining weight, um, yes. you know. Please. And so, um, I mean, I'd love to send the 23 year old guy to you, period. I think there's a bunch of benefit. But but tell me about the like the cognition and the things that could be mistaken yeah. uh, and, and that are scary, you know. Yes. Well, once again, it it's branches and roots. So the cognition, um, the mental decline, whatever the symptom, whatever is manifesting that you're seeing, those are like the branches of a tree. Uh-huh. And we have to, to train ourselves to say, okay, that's a symptom. That's like a branch of a tree, but there is something. If I dig down into the roots of this tree, I'm going to see that the condition of these roots are dictating the health of the branches. Uh So that's why I said at the beginning, almost any ailment that you could think of has roots in the liver. Uh Um, Uh So, you know, short term and while you're building back up your digestive system so that your, your body can accept nutrients um, there's things like dandelion tea, milk thistle, Um, These are two, these are really the top two um, herbs, roots that 
can help the liver heal, really. Mm. Um, they're, they're really powerful. You could take them in, in tea, in a tea form. You could take them as a supplement. I would probably do the tea um, because also like a warm cup of tea also has digestive benefits. So you're mm-hmm. kind of doing two things at once. Um, but liver liver health is, it's, it's everything. Um, there's things that you can do, like, your liver is it's it's under your right rib. Uh-huh. Um, there, have you heard of castor oil patches or um, using castor oil topically? Uh, no. no. This is awesome. So this is something that you can do immediately while the healing is happening and while you're you know working on digestion, you get castor oil. Mm-hmm. I get organic castor oil. Um, I get it at Walgreens. You can get it on Amazon or anywhere. And you you rub it on your, your liver, which is, again, like right under your, your right breast in that um, rib area mm-hmm. on the right side, the right side. And you rub the oil on your liver. Um, it's going to be sticky. Don't wear something nice. It's going to get all over your clothes. Um, cover it with, with a cloth. And then put like a, a hot water bottle or something on that um, and, and sit there with it for 20 minutes. Maybe you do this at night or something. Um, but castor oil helps to bring nutrients and immune factors to that area. It can actually instigate healing and decrease inflammation in, in that liver mm. um, or any area. You can do it on your colon if you're constipated. Um, women do it dur- during times of their cycle when they're having pain. So it's, it's a healer and it goes right into your skin. So you don't have to worry about the digestive process being compromised. It's, it's sinking right in there. So that's another thing. Um, the liver, if it's, if it's your enzymes are up and the liver is not healthy and well, try to think of ways, other avenues of detoxification that you can support so that some of the load is taken off of that liver um, because healing the liver is not fast. Um, it, it, it's not like if I do this and this, boom, in three months, my liver's healed. Right. Um, so the skin is our largest organ of detoxification. The liver's the most important. The skin is the biggest. So sweating um, if you don't like to sweat through working out, get to a sauna mm-hmm. and open up those pores and let toxins come out of your skin. And that's going to take some load off of the liver. Going back to the four count breath that clients do before eating, you can excrete toxins from your lungs. So when you're breathing deeply, exhaling, you're also purging your body of toxins. And all of these things ultimately take Take the load off of the liver that's overworked and damaged and, and trying to heal. Mm. Wow. Man. Wow. This is absolutely uh, fascinating. Uh, I, I, so you, uh, you are a, a functional health, functional medicine practitioner? No, I'm a functional nutrition counselor. Yeah. Okay. All right. I know it's a functional something. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm using food and lifestyle practices to, I'm always working towards root cause resolution, but I'm using food as medicine, Mm -hmm. food to help the body heal and lifestyle practices. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, again, like I keep going back to this, but when we're talking about the liver, when it's damaged, that is going to be a slow build back that is very much dependent upon a healthy digestive system. So we Mm -hmm. can't skip over that. We can't just liver. We got to think, okay, well, everything that's going into the liver is going through my digestive system that's that's in disrepair. Uh So it's always about backing it up, backing it up. But Mm -hmm. liver is foundational. um, Gut health is foundational. Digestive health is foundational. Um, There's also lots of supplements. Again, we don't know how much is being absorbed, but um, things that help the liver... (laughs) One of the things I, this is so great. I I do a morning smoothie and Mm -hmm. when I add certain ingredients, I call it a love your liver smoothie. Um, There's, well, there's one ingredient specifically that has a really powerful effect on helping. um, There's, there's different detoxification pathways out of the liver Mm -hmm. and limonene, which, which comes from the oil of, of a lemon helps one of those specifically. So in my morning smoothie, I have, um, I, I do, uh, grated organic, um, lemon peel, Mm -hmm. like a half a tablespoon. And I put that in my smoothie. That's what I mean about start low, go slow. Mm -hmm. That's not a big liver cleanse, but it absolutely can help the detoxification pathways out of the liver. So that's something I put in my smoothie every morning. Um, because I'm almost 50 years old and I haven't had my liver numbers run, but being a human being on planet earth, I probably have (laughs) some elevated liver enzymes. I mean, the world is toxic. This Uh is, this is what we're living in. Um, selenium is another key nutrient, um, for liver health and function and detoxification. And you can get that in Brazil nuts. There again, Brazil nuts, there's our healthy fat going back mm-hmm. to green fat fiber protein. So you're doing a number of, of good things when you're getting these sources from food. Mm-hmm. Um, it, two Brazil nuts a day can help your body, can help your liver detoxify better. Mm-hmm. Brazil nuts are kind of large. You know what they look like, but yeah, all it takes is two to four to have an impact on liver health. Cruciferous vegetables mm-hmm. are masters for liver detoxification, broccoli, kale, Brussels, broccoli sprouts. Again, going back to that digestive system, a lot of times if somebody has um, a compromised digestive system, I don't encourage raw vegetables. I encourage cooking. Um, Mm -hmm. You can roast them. You can steam them. You could grill them. Just get them. It's almost like pre-digesting a little bit. Right, right. So that the the digestive system doesn't have to do as much work, but you can still get those nutrients. And then when you eat the vegetable, you're getting fiber. And so you're helping flush toxins out of your large intestine. So Mm -hmm. it's that overlap that food gives us. Mm. One of the things I'm picking up is that you're not, you know, selling a, you know, a long shelf of supplements, encourage people to take fistfuls of, of pills a day. Correct. Uh, right. You're preferring whenever possible to get those nutrients via food, kind of a full spectrum nutrition. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because because when you get it from food, it does so many other things in the body. Uh, gotcha. Uh, yeah. 
it, it's okay. killing a lot of birds with one stone, I guess. Is yeah. Well, I know this is going to stimulate, this episode is going to stimulate a lot of questions and curiosity, uh, potential conversation. For those listeners who want to get in touch with you or with resources you recommend, what's the best way for them to find you? My website um, is the best way. It's okay. freezabkawellness.com. Um, you can read about my approach that we've kind of hit on here, mm-hmm. um, ways to get in touch with me. Um, certainly, there's my email address. There's a little form. You could say, hey, I have a question and submit it through the website. Um, I also have a free guide on the homepage of my website. Um, it just says there's a banner. It says free guide. And the reason I mention that is because in there is the four count breath that we oh, talk okay. about. Mm. Um, also there's three recipes that include greens, fat, fiber, protein. So some people are like, okay, that sounds great, but how do I make a meal that mm-hmm. looks like that? That's tasty and can get on the table fast. So I've got recipes in there. I've got a quick little chair workout. If you want to detoxify through sweat, Uh (laughs) Um, it's kind of a all-inclusive little free guide. So that would be a good way to, to start and to start developing some, some good habits for the new year. Fantastic. Well, that's great. Lori, I I so appreciate you being here and sharing this with us. I've got one last quick question. Um, People who are struggling with disordered eating, is that something that you work with as well? Or how uh, does that fit into your uh, type of practice? Yes. And and I would say that's a case by case. It, it really depends on a number of different things. But yes, mm-hmm. I have. And I have had some great success of, of women who have been withholding, withholding, withholding. They're in a constant state of deprivation. And they end up falling in love with food and nourishment because they they the way it makes them feel going from deprivation to um to healing mm-hmm. is is life-giving and so yeah i do i do work with people um in in that space on a case-by-case basis yeah. okay great right. great well thank you so much for giving us so much of your time today laurie it's been a joy i hope to have you back sometime in the future because I think we, it feels like we just kind of scratched the surface of this subject yeah. today. Yeah, yeah. There's always more to talk about. I appreciate being here and I appreciate you asking me. Yeah, absolutely. All right, All right listeners, we'll be back in a moment on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And uh, Nate, this conversation was very uh, helpful and timely. I think it's a uh, it's a great conversation to have to start out the new year. You know, here we are today, mm-hmm. you know, kind of kicking off our uh, first uh, real episode of uh, 2023. And everybody's got a resolution somewhere about, uh, you know, <laughs> what I'm going to do and, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, cussing and all that stuff for 23 or whatever. Uh, but, uh, this is a great thing I think to kick off that, uh, this season with, because, uh, so much of what she said is so helpful in the recovery world because, uh, Mm -hmm. man, you know, the, uh, the toll that, uh, our behaviors and our, our relationship to substances and things have taken on our bodies 
And um, just knowing that there's some uh, fairly simple, accessible mm-hmm. things that we can be doing um, to undo some of those things as we start to make a pledge to ourselves to get healthier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I- I'll tell you, even before this episode is released, and it'll be released within the next couple of days, yeah. I'm going to play this uh, interview for Allie and because it, it just hit on so much that's very close to home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah. And yeah. it's all part, David, it's all part of living a balanced life. Is it not? Oh yeah. 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 And uh, not obsessing uh, and oversimplifying this thing and obsessing on just one behavior and mm-hmm. not, and also, I love uh, her advice to start low and go slow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think what Allie and I will do after we listen to the episode together is we'll, we'll and I'm picking this up from Habit Books, uh, pick a couple of changes that we can make. Mm-hmm. N- not 57. Yeah. yeah. Not even seven. Yeah, right. Right, right. Right. A yeah. A couple of changes that we can make to get going. Yeah. And then uh, I think we're going to follow up with Lori and see where this takes us. Yeah. Yeah, I tell people, you know, in other areas, you know, don't get too well too fast, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. people coming in wanting to, you know, I I am going to quit drinking, quit smoking and lose 30 pounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and right, and my, yeah. my question is which is get, getting you in the most trouble right now? Let's start with that because yeah. uh yeah. you know, we're not uh, you know, day seven of not doing any of those things is probably going to be a big uh, blowout day. <laughs> so I hear you. I yeah, hear you. Yeah. But uh, no, Lori is, uh, she she knows her stuff and, and she's a great resource. And I'm, I'm hoping to send a couple of clients uh, her way myself because, That's good. Um, you know, along with the medical supervision that they're getting, I just think that it would be so helpful for people to know what to do. You know, people mm-hmm. want to be healthy, but we don't know what to do, who to listen right. to, how to yeah. process all the stuff we hear. So, Well, uh, listeners, we'd love to hear your reaction to this episode. And you can always uh, drop us a line at positive sobriety podcast at gmail.com. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. Until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm David. And we are your pals. On the Positive Sobriety Podcast. The Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. Live producer Rex Schnelli, music by Rex Schnelli, theme music by Matt Ulrich, uh, hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett, uh, wardrobe <laughs> by Kathy Gifford. 